Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful resources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week we recommend a resource for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week we bring you, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And with that, this is Luke in Wisconsin, your Midwest representative, and I am here with Nick in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? I mean, I just had to mute myself so I wouldn't laugh during your intro. <laughs> We're having a good time tonight. Eagle impersonations. <laughs> I was, yeah, well, you gotta keep it fun. Gotta keep it light. I was like, I, was I like, really just wanted to record, record that version. <laughs> I want it. I want it as my ringtone. Oh man, it's so flemmy. <laughs> it was pretty. Uh, it was something. Uh, oh, it was delight. It was a freaking delight. No, I'm here for it. You know, I should have done that for like a Patreon episode. Uh, yeah, you like... sung for bonus episodes. You know, I, I don't think people know that. I don't think they know that. Like you've sung on probably more than one episode i think i think i have actually That's i'm true. pretty sure you have yeah but you never did your smeagol voice and we were just talking about that and how man technically you could do it for because we have one more to record actually we're, we're yeah. doing well this is our we second are... oh do we tell people that yet do they know that yeah they knew that a while ago oh yeah they definitely did not know it in like see <laughs> like that first episode or the second or the third or the fourth mm. i think it was like it was like halfway through. It. I think we were like, "Hey, yeah." We're like, "Hey, we're almost." Unless done. I'm wrong, we're just we're going to be it. retired. We're going to move to the villages in Florida, and we're going to be done podcasting. We're going to be on vocal rest for forever. Vocal rest. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I need to be on vocal rest after like because we record at night, and I always feel like my throat's all like dry and stuff. And I'm over here drinking oh. tea, which apparently it does not. Yeah, drink um, that tea. It definitely dries out your mouth, as I've discovered. Oh, so. you know what? We mentioned tea in episode, whatever that was, that came out in the middle of November. Just don't do we it. We mentioned tea a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, we definitely talked about tea another episode of the season. It might have been the one about the Afghan poems. Oh, yeah, we definitely did. Yep. I think yep, we, we did. did. Was it that one or was it earlier? So much tea. We're not even spilling tea here. We're just, we're just drinking it. Just we drinking even tea. Spilling tea. No. You know Having what that started means? and we're already quitting. I don't know if people know that. The young people, the youths, they're like, hey, what's the tea? And they spill the tea as a wig. It's like saying, hey, tell me, let's gossip. Uh, anyway. So You sound so old. I sound yeah, I got a smoker's cough. <laughs> See, we gotta stop podcasting. I got a smoker's cough. I worked with somebody in high school that sounded like the slug lady from uh, Monsters Inc. Oh, I really want to impersonate that right now, but I feel like I should, I feel like I already went farther than I wish in the future. I'll be like, Luke, why did you do that? I'm on record. Um, Remember, we've talked about this. You just got to be open and vulnerable to people critiquing your voice work. <laughs> we talked about this. It sounds like it's like an intervention. Like it's like <laughs> we talked about like, this. Dang it for podcast hosts everybody comes in like uh uh my name's uh my name's chuck and i've been a podcast host for 15 years <laughs> Smoke um, marlboro lights yeah so no for reals we're gonna be done after next week 
So, you know, as you're all scrambling to find Christmas gifts and you're like, oh, man, the supply chain hasn't hasn't got me what I hoped I could get. And you're like, oh, man, what's going on? And then we'll be done and you'll be like, oh, no more beggar's bread. Ah, the world's ending. But don't worry. The world's not ending. Or at least I don't I don't think it is. But, you know, maybe maybe Jesus comes back. I, I don't know the time or hour. We're not those people that predict time or hours. But if we were, we were Nick, dispensationalists. <laughs> if you were to choose a time and an hour and a week. Anyway, let's not do that. Uh, this week we're talking about. Oh, I was like, I was about to say, I was like, hmm, do I have an answer for that? <laughs> no, no. We're talking about a podcast called the Neighborly Faith Podcast. And the episode title of this is Asthma Udin. And Andrew T. Walker discuss the politics of vulnerability. And I think to kick us off, we've actually got a co-listener review that we're going to start with. Nick, is that right? It is. I apparently, as we were talking earlier in the, in the before recording, apparently there's actually when requesting co-listener uh, feedback or thoughts or reflections, uh, Luke throughout this entire series has had apparently a whole template for them in a framework that limited the amount of words that they would share. Oh, it's just, I just say two to eight sentences because I'm just like, you know, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on people. Some people, they really like that two sentence mark and some people are like that eight sentence mark. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on people, but we have gotten a very thoughtful co-listener and Nick, is an amateur so they wrote two day paragraphs <laughs> and so i'm like oh this is great which honestly i feel like <clears throat> excuse me oh man i really get smokers cough um <laughs> also i feel like i shouldn't make fun of smokers that much i mean yeah smoking's not healthy for you but i feel like most smokers already know that and then they just feel bad so i'm not trying to shame you um anyway <laughs> i kind of feel like we got a third third co-host so i'm like this is great but anyway yeah it's kind of like a a a written in co-host yeah and that's honestly it's great like and i told her i was like yeah we're gonna be reading all of this and i was like yeah luke's gonna be reading all this and then luke's like oh no you're reading that because it's long and i'm like okay i guess i am and we so, can do we can do every other word yeah oh yes yes no no, no are you, you ready no are you no. here for it no you go. no it's great anyways no i do really appreciate getting this co-listener review from <laughs> taylor from north carolina because it is so thoughtful and i was like when i got it i was like dang i really in my vagueness of what i was looking for i got so much which i'm like yes and then also as we'll find out next week my vagueness can produce the opposite effect which is really funny <laughs> um and i appreciate their review as well as you'll find out it's great and so very good i just really appreciate yeah i appreciate this and i Nick think it'll definitely set the tone i appreciate a lot of things usually lots of um, appreciation yeah sometimes you know like it's been a while we've been doing this for a hot sec i always like hearing about people like you know catching up on episodes and stuff and they're like oh you're you're ending oh i have time to catch up then i'm like yeah look there you go there's a positive to that because <laughs> that means that they get time to delve deeper into the resources that we're recommending brilliant um and actually as a prelude or like a you know a note regarding the neighborly faith podcast it's actually an organization located in raw north carolina that is an evangelical nonprofit that seeks to 
work with and create friendships and open up dialogue with Muslims. And so I've been to several of their events. I have engaged with people. I have friends that um, have done some of their hosting sessions. Like they've done some sort of like community dialogues over, I think, Zoom or on Facebook during COVID back in 2020. And so I believe this talk in particular that we're recommending stemmed from one of those conversations. And so they just have really a lot of really interesting things and a lot of just kind of opening up that dialogue moments that you don't see from a lot of organizations. And so I really do appreciate the work that they've done. And I definitely, if you're in the area and if you're able to plug in in some way, shout out to them. Boom. And without further ado, Taylor from North Carolina. Yeah. All right. So Taylor from North Carolina says, I think that the work of Asma Udin and Andrew Walker is incredibly important, especially when we are living in a time of disunity and quote-unquote otherness. The respect shown towards one another and towards their relative communities is a beautiful example of both humility and openness to learning about the unknown. There is clear striving from both parties to live out their faiths as they were intended, seeking unity where there is agreement, seeking conversation where there are differences, and respecting when these differences cannot or will not be bridged. Coming from a Christian perspective myself, although not evangelical, I've often thought to myself that those of us who identify as people of faith have so much more in common with each other than with the growing secular society. To view those of differing faiths as less than, or in opposition to Christianity because of its otherness, is not aligned with the example that Christ has laid before us. Seeing the communication between two groups which, for centuries, have been at violent odds with one another is a great encouragement for the religious community as a whole that peace, understanding, and love are all within the realm of possibility. I have found that fear-mongering among the evangelical Christian community over goings-on within government walls is quite common. While it is beneficial and even prudent for Christians to be engaged in their civic responsibilities, It is antithetical for the Christian church to hold such high esteem for government officials and offices, and often borders on idolatry. Did Christ ever tell his disciples to make for themselves a place of governing power outside the church, and have all who have not chosen to follow him submit? Rather, he told them to go forth and spread the good news. They are given authority over those who chose to follow Christ. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, acknowledges the reality that there are those with whom we are called to live in harmony, even those in places of governing authority. He does not encourage an us-versus-them mentality because he came to love and save all and respected the free will of the human person to choose the path they would take. What many evangelical Christian communities often forget is that Christianity began under incredibly hostile circumstances as a religious minority. From its very foundations, Christ himself was put to death at the hands of government officials, and a majority of his apostles were killed at the hands of government officials. Raging persecution lasted for the first centuries of the religion, and yet it persevered beyond those circumstances, spreading the good news, eventually placing the Christian religion in a place of safety and security, becoming a position of power and the majority. The modern Christian seems to believe that their religion is inherently tied to its representation within governing walls, and the fear of losing those positions would, in this mindset, be tantamount to the loss of the church herself. This view lacks a true faith in Christ, his church, 
and the millennia of perseverance of his followers. It also shows an ignorance of church history and a lack of empathy for the situation in which many religious minorities find themselves. Speaking from a Christian perspective, I greatly admire and appreciate Asma Udin's perspective and outreach to the white evangelical community, considering the discrimination that the Muslim community has often faced at their hands. She, more than many, realized that, at the core of our united belief in God, is the call to treat everyone with kindness and dignity. The striving of Udin and Walker is an example for all of us. Their perspectives are worth listening to, their stories are a valuable learning experience, and their lives a shining example of how we are called to live in love and respect of the human person. So thank you, Taylor, for that yes. very insightful and very framing uh, reflection that I think will got a lot of our discussion moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. That is really well written, well said. Um, and I just I love it a lot. Um, I do think there's, this is kind of like oftentimes the co-listeners, they, they really bring out great questions, great conversations. Um, I do, I do see lots of different theologies around, you know, what's, what's a place for, uh, Christians involvement in, in government or not. But even then she, um, she's very nuanced where, she says, while it is beneficial and even prudent for Christians to be engaged in their civic responsibilities, it is antithetical for the Christian church to hold such high esteem for government officials and offices and often borders on idolatry. I really think that's nuanced because I, I, sometimes you get this kind of extreme of both sides. One is like this um, almost like theonomy of like Christians should take over the government and everything should be Christian run. And then you get this other extreme that's like, ah, Christians shouldn't be involved in the government at all. And uh, yeah, I, I think both of those like I said, are extremes and there's a lot of room for something in between where, like she says, they're engaged in civic responsibilities. And I, I just really appreciate that. I used to kind of take that for granted that that's what most everyone thinks. And I've recently come to realize that is not what everybody thinks. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Um, and what I thought was so interesting also about this whole podcast episode is how it frames religious liberty and how religious liberty is not, actually religious liberty when it's used as a cloak to maintain that cultural superiority and power um which i thought was so again poignant right because it ties into things that we've experienced right and also just thinking about as christians like how we respond with humility um to government and to the ways in which um whatever theology you have, like how, how all that ties into our engagement in like the public sphere. Yeah. And I mean, one thing just talking about in general, also another thing from her co-listening review, I really appreciated, like she appreciates Asma's works, Asma's work. Um, I thought it was incredible how, again, for context for listeners who haven't listened to the Neighborly Faith podcast in this specific episode, because we're recommending it, there's plenty of podcasts out there, so you probably haven't yet. Um, she, as a Muslim woman, is really just extremely charitable and generous in listening to communities that she's not a part of, and specifically the white evangelical Christian Protestant community in America. 
and I'm like, man, you know, that's, that's the kind of person I want to be being able to really try to understand someone's perspective. And, um, sometimes we've talked about this in the past. We talked about race plenty of times. We talked about just politics and sensitivities and, um, I, I can, even if I disagree with a lot of different people vehemently between like conservatism and populism, you know, if I see myself as a conservative more, I, I do see a lot of the ways that they're painted that aren't very fair and even detrimental. And I feel like she just went out of her way to be like, I'm understanding where people are coming from. And I understand why people would be um, scared about rapidly changing culture or rapidly changing politics or whatever. Um, now that doesn't justify, you know, it's like any emotion as a, a, any parent I hope would tell their child, it's, it's okay to have an intense emotion, but that doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want with it, right? Like it's important what you do with it. Um, so I, I, but I, I just love the, and the way she talked about going, she was talking about Brene Brown's, um, work on vulnerability and just her effort to listen to others. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, so I, I really appreciated that as well. Yeah. And just how like listening is ultimately the key to understanding all these dynamics and engaging in conversations, particularly around religion that given history feel so much at odds with one another. But I really did appreciate how Taylor talked about often, like now, like if you're thinking about it, that, there's a lot more in common that we can really relate to and engage with with regard to other religious communities and other faith traditions that often go underutilized. And so I know when I was working with refugees, that was something that I was really keen on, even though I didn't necessarily get enough time to invest in that sort of engagement of looking for more than just white Protestant churches to like partner alongside and so while we might have been connected to the mosque in raleigh for meals and stuff there wasn't really much outside of just getting meals that really fostered that community and so i know that was something that we were really just thinking of ways in which we can actually engage in dialogues with people and then also just like work together on things that are shared things that um, both of these faith traditions in particular have key ethics surrounding, you know, related to poverty, related to caring for marginalized people. Right. And I mean, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, right. I remember now. Um, talking there you about, go. There you go. I, I do think there's something to be said, like, you know, it, it does take a while to, to build meaningful relationships. Um, so, I mean, I get what you're saying where you're like, hey, meals, that's all it was. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, sometimes that's a place to start. Um, you got to start somewhere. But I get what you're saying, too. Like, oh, there's, there's more we can do. We're not, you know, we, we live in this place, speaking about religious liberty like they did. We live in a country where we can freely assemble and have free speech and... Not that, you know, it's not a perfect country, obviously. We've talked ad nauseum about America and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm saying blah, blah, blah more. You're saying blah, blah, blah a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. It's all right. We don't care what we're talking about anyway. Yeah, we're semi-retired. We're we're one foot out the door. Man, next, you know know what I was thinking, Nick? I'm going to finish my thought. But before I do that, 
next episode. I'm not even going to tell you the title of the next episode. That's You know what? We're basically cranky old retired people. We're like podcast co-hosts. We're, we're out the door. We're like, we're not going to tell you. You know, every week we tell you. We're like, hey, here's the next podcast episode. Well, we're not going to tell you this week. So how do you oh, feel I about that? I definitely just made up a title myself. <laughs> Without your, uh, <laughs> without any coordination on your part, I was just like, I'm just gonna write this. I need to create some social media posts. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. So I know it, but I don't have to tell anybody. Yeah, I won't look, even see, tell you. <laughs> join me in my cranky old podcasting, retired, whatever. Oh, I'll get my podcast cane and walk around hitting other fellow podcasters. That's not a threat. Oh That's man, a theoretical. <laughs> I don't, I don't endorse this violence. Uh, in case it's reviewed, watch watch it be canceled. We're gonna be canceled now, Nick. We're gonna be canceled. Uh, oh, good thing we can't cancel me if I uh. cancel ourselves first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, I had a thought and now I just oh oh yeah 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 I remember now. Okay, religious <laughs> liberty. I I do think I do think I'm a little bit more giddy because I'm like I I don't feel as worried about. <laughs> what i say but i gotta be careful with that i don't want to be gotta finish strong you know like any sports coach you know i feel like now i really feel like an old person always like any good parent any good coach yeah this saying that saying the other day okay now i'm really rambling but that's fine because this is fun the other day i heard this (laughs) phrase a while ago and i shared it with some friends they're like i've never heard that like what have you ever heard the phrase um your daughter's gonna fall in love with a boy or with a horse so buy her a horse that, that rings a bell from childhood for some reason. <laughs> it's not related to... No, it's not related to purity culture, is it? Uh, Not that I know of. It was just a funny okay. phrase. And I shared it, and then I felt really old, because everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm a special... i got a special phrase here. Anyway... Well, you have um, that baby phrase, too, that you like to put on people. That's so uncomfortable. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say that on the podcast. No, that one's inappropriate. Well, it's not really inappropriate... It's just cringy. So, yeah, we're not going to do that. As if but we anyway, haven't been cringy this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about... Can't wait to be an adult later, older adult, and look back at these and be like, oh, it's embarrassing. Um, yeah, it's fine. Well, what I think so interesting about religious liberty that was framed in this is you're not... Like, religious belief is not necessarily defending one's convictions, but rather their faculties that are necessary to make meaning of the world yes absolutely and there's a sense of like okay this is now i'm glad we're back on track this is good if you force people to believe a certain religion or lack of religion you know atheism or whatever if you try and basically impede someone's conscious now i'm not saying that countries haven't successfully done that in certain different ways um but on the most part at least in america (laughs) the the kind of spirit of don't tread on me is so strong at least in in certain areas like Mm -hmm. oh i know that's just gonna backfire it's like i i saw this tweet a while ago i thought it was hilarious um but basically the the (laughs) the twitter account was like i hope the woke twitter twitter mob cancels me so that the conservatives will buy will make my book a bestseller (laughs) like it's just like and i know you might be like Oh, you're making fun of conservatives, making saying they're reactionaries. I'm like, no, no, no. It's it's both. You know, they're both progressive and conservative people that do this. But um, yeah, it's like I a, just... you know, basically a, a take all, like a take all bag. Like you have to go 
all in on these things. Yeah, whatever the other side says, we're against it. So, you know, if they're going to cancel this book, I'm going to buy it. Like, Yeah, it's like what we talked about before, that reflexively oppositional in which basically like it it creates a culture in which no sort of dissent is allowed yeah but that, okay um, but that's the thing with religious liberty like if you're just like all right everybody is now gonna well, i'll just pick a, a a more arbitrary religion like jedi everyone's gonna follow jedi ism <laughs> i don't know what the name of that great. is great um and then everybody's gonna be like well you know like if it was serious not like a joke like this is a joke but um it's just be like no like don't tell me what to do right like that's that's such a strong spirit um but anyway i feel like maybe i shouldn't joke about it as much because it's kind of a serious topic but i do think um we have such a wonderful opportunity to be able to converse with people from different different backgrounds different religions different perspectives and even if you're sitting there going well you know we're not going to agree on stuff what's the point it's like well the point isn't necessarily they are always agreeing with someone or always persuading them. It's being hospitable to your neighbor. It's, you know, the, hence the podcast title. Won't you be my neighbor? You know, Mr. Rogers, shout out. Um, remember in peace. Um, but yeah, like your whole goal of this is not always coercion to get somebody to agree with what you're saying, you know, or not just coercion. It's not always even persuasion. It's just like, how do we live as humans that respect one another in the same space? Yeah, and that can be hard, right? Especially if you're considering, I know we were talking earlier about how like, even if you're coming from a position in which you're not even defining religion on the same level, um, it can put you at odds with trying to engage in a genuine, hospitable manner if you're not viewing them um, as possessing the same religious liberty as yourself, you know? And so it kind of perpetuates that sort of like institutional idea of kind of a civil religion that can kind of permeate some of our our communities as we discuss these things oh yeah i did want to mention so that whole statement that they mentioned and i'm glad they mentioned it although it kind of makes me sad where they're talking about like saying islam isn't a religion i'm like that is crazy like i don't know how you're defining the word religion but it's not in any recognizable term like way like if you're if you're defining religion as okay i know i kind of just took a conversation in a different direction but you know here we go that was tied in with where i was going so it worked. cranky retired co-host podcast host person change the name for the second to last episode boom change the name i'm luke your cranky co-host um <laughs> <laughs> i'm enjoying this more uh that, i would hope yeah. so it's good this you're is... doing great you're doing a good job ah uh, thanks nick uh so, so, no talking about i don't even remember what i was talking about oh yeah islam as a religion um if if religion is defined generally as having something of utmost importance in like your life that you have devotion to then there's absolutely no way you can't define islam as a religion like it has to be considered a religion and then if someone comes along and says well you know luke you know if you really know islam you know that they it has political ramifications and i'll be like yeah so does every religion ever like what especially are you christianity about? in america yeah, yeah like i don't know if you've read jesus and john wayne but like <laughs> oh you just took a conversation lot. in a new direction nick <laughs> oh i know yeah don't worry well we didn't recommend it for the show but like 
No, it's just so interesting that people don't consider how Christianity also has its own, like whether or not we're thinking about it within the its American historical context or even looking at it from the first century, there is a political context. And so it's going to shape the way you live your life. And that goes across various barriers. Like it goes across so many different aspects of your life. Like, especially if you're viewing it as a world view, right? Like it's not just going to be relegated. Like if we're thinking of religion in these kind of like post enlightenment dualism, like categories in which, you have your kind of like little private sector here and then you have your little public sector here. First of all, it's hypo- like hypocritical because obviously we've seen from our own history that Christians are politically engaged. And then second, it's not really looking holistically at somebody's faith background that is a lot more than just these binary categories. Yeah, well, and honestly, I know I've been laughing and everything. And someone might be listening to this and they'll be like, hey, you're not taking my perspective seriously. I understand the fear behind it. Um, if, and so bear with me here. If someone thinks, well, you know, Islam, it's a, it's all about violence. They're trying to take over the country. Well, clearly, if, if you have interacted with actual Muslims and not just kind of this caricature online you can you can find that's not the case um but if that's your picture online then yeah maybe it'd be a good time to to meet some to listen to their podcasts um and but like generally speaking all of us all our worldviews are always gonna impact I will say this sometimes like what you were saying with that dualism that's totally true there are some there are some kind of secular thinkers that would try to posit that we can somehow divide our convictions, our most deeply held convictions from our political convictions. And I'd be like, no, that's crazy. Like, yeah, if you're an atheist or agnostic or Christian or Buddhist or Jediist or Islam, I meant to say, or Muslim, I guess using the right phraseology, um, or Hindu, whatever, that's going to impact how you interact with the public square which is totally okay and as much as like okay now i'm just rambling in but this is good when they were talking about pluralism i really appreciated how they differentiated pluralism from relativism because relativism is kind of like one of those you know big bad wolves is kind of like a boogeyman that is often brought up and it's like relativism is kind of talking about like a syncretism like there is no truth or you know i just kind of make up whatever i want to be my truth and um that's different from pluralism. Pluralism is like, all right, look, I'm, I'm hanging out with my Hindu friend. And it's like, hey, we believe different things about the universe, about ourselves as humans. But we can still live in proximity. We don't have to agree on everything to be able to live in a society together. Um, that's kind of the basic idea of pluralism. You have multiple different perspectives in the same area. But there's enough overlap that we can live together. Yeah, it's just a beautiful thing as far as the, like, American experiment is concerned, right? If we're thinking about how there's been restrictions in other countries' religious freedom or their ability to express their religion, as we talked about in a bonus episode, I think, earlier in this uh, 
in the season. Um, but yeah, just thinking about like how religious liberty is the ability to express like you know a viewpoint that is incongruent with another person's belief, but still having that neighborliness and still being able to engage in these tough conversations is just like a blessing because you don't like there's certain contexts in which that's not as possible and like given our society in america is so diverse and so unique like there's nothing really stopping or inhibiting us from engaging in those conversations with people that are going to have differing views markedly from our own religious faith traditions word that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) what uh, what else do you got nick what else before we before we crankily hang up the phone and say don't call us back except for next week you can come back next week (laughs) well i think um something to be considering if you're you know encouraged by this discussion encouraged um to engage in these conversations across different faith traditions. I think neighborly faith has a whole bunch of talks that they've done that are really insightful and really just like, it's great to hear from leaders of different faith communities um, that are like, you know, legit and that you can really get a better, more comprehensive picture of somebody's faith from, um, and so that kind of, it honestly ties in a lot with my catechism into the Orthodox Church where I know like I'll be talking to another parishioner and they'll be like, okay, like I'm new as well. So ask a priest, you know, like ask somebody in a position of authority that's going to have more information and like don't just assume that you can Google something about somebody's faith tradition and get something right. Because as we found out from the internet... <laughs> you're not always going to get the most orthodox response, not Eastern Orthodox, but like, you know, just orthodox in general response regarding. Sure. Like representative. Yeah. Like representative of somebody's actual faith background. So really like looking at within the context of who you're engaging with in just that specific population demographic, because there can be differences across faith traditions as we as Christians well know, just actually talking to them, engaging with them and saying like, Hey, like I want to know more. And so what's something that's reputable that you can refer me to so that I can understand where you're coming from better? Absolutely. I love that. Well, normally this is the part of the podcast post where I'm like, oh, don't let me forget about our co-listener. But <laughs> I already did that. So uh, I already did it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you did that. You I did definitely that, read Nick. that. Yeah. <laughs> I was there the whole time. I was here, right here in the closet in my parents' third story of their house in Wisconsin. No I'm more glad details. You're so present. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us for our second to last episode of Beggar's Bread. I wish you the best of luck preparing for Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. And. We'll see you back next week, but I'm not going to tell you the title because I'm a cranky, old, almost retired podcast (laughs) co-host. All right, bye.